hands. Father, we're just so thankful that we can come, God, that we can be here together and we can be in your presence and know that we're standing in the presence of God Almighty and we know that there's power in the name of Jesus. I pray for those that are here this morning who need a touch from you. I pray that as we've sung these songs that you've prepared their hearts to hear the message, God, that you have for us. Speak to our hearts this morning. Open our ears to hear what you have to say. We love you so much. We ask these things in Jesus' name. What a powerful name it is. Beautiful. Amen. Matthew chapter 24. Last week, we looked at verses 1 through 14, asking ourselves the question, are we living in the last days? And we went through verse, uh, verses 1 through 14, and we, we talked about that Jesus is to be listened to because uh, look what he said was going to happen, and it has happened. He said that, look at all these buildings. They're big, powerful, the temple buildings. And he says they will be destroyed. And so he needs to be listened to. Today, there's no temple. <clears throat> Today, there's no out of courts. There's no Jewish court, Gentile court. The steps are all in rubble. Uh, it is absolutely not. Uh, there's no uh, sacrifices going on in the temple. There's not a temple. And in fact, in place of the temple is uh, the Dome of the Rock and uh, one of the most popular mosques in the world for the Muslim faith. So we need to pay attention to what Jesus says. We need to spend lots of time and carefully read the words of Jesus and learn what he said. We need to understand what he said, and we need to get familiar with the words of Jesus and have an understanding of what the kingdom is all about and the promises that we have. Jesus told us that before he comes back, there will be many deceived. Many, many will be deceived. He said that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. So today, probably North Korea will be in the news again. No telling what they're going to do. Every time you see North Korea shooting a missile across Japan, it's a threat of war. And it's a time for us to remember Jesus coming again. Is that the sign? Are those the signs? No, but definitely uh, they're sure warning signs to us. I mean, obviously he hasn't returned yet, so that particular sign hasn't fallen together. But when you see wars and rumors of wars, there's been lots of wars. It talks about in here that those are only the beginning birth praying. So we would have to say there's going to be an increase in all of these things before Jesus returns. There's going to be famine and earthquakes. There's going to be persecution for believers. And as we talked about, uh, from the year zero to 1975, uh, there were many, many martyrs. Many, many Christians lost their lives, particularly in, in, the, in the period of the early Romans when they were fed up with Christians and used them. But then we had the time of, of peace with uh, Constantine come in into place and the Romans literally quit killing the Christians for a time in that kind of order. Uh, however, between 1975 and the year 2000, there's been more Christian martyrs than the 1975 years before. And if you take the years between 2000 and 2025, it's, it's expected, it's been uh, said, that there will be more martyrs than all of time before in the Christianity, in, in the Christian world. 
That's an amazing, amazing thing. There's an increase of Christian people being killed because they're Christians. And Jesus said that was going to happen. There's also going to be a great falling away of Christian people from the church. Now, today, we have cathedrals in Europe that are basically empty. Hardly anybody there. You can say, you can point to that and say, that really does look like a falling away. As many, many people have walked away from the church in England, in Europe, in, in Germany, in France, there's a great falling away. And so before Jesus returns, there's going to be a great falling away. There's also going to be a time that sin is going to be rampant everywhere. The words of Jesus says sin is going to be out in the open. Sin is going to be no big deal in society. Amsterdam, Las Vegas, we're in that world. Not just Amsterdam, Las Vegas, Fort Worth, Texas. We're in that world. Alito, Texas, for God's sakes. Sin is rampant. And not only is sin rampant today, and, and, and we can't even imagine it getting worse, but obviously it's going to get worse because Jesus has returned, and so it's going to get worse. The love of many will grow cold. I believe that's taking place. I, I look at that and go, well, now, we're not sure about the increasing of love growing cold, but man, love sure seems to be growing cold in our society, in the world. I mean, can you imagine the, the, great, the great turmoil, the pain, anguish people are put through because people no longer love? There, the, there's not a concern for human life. There's not a concern for babies. There's not a concern for unborn babies in the world today. Love has grown cold. It's just grown cold. And I think that's something we need to pay particular attention to. Many will endure, it says. The thing is, many are going to be called on to endure. It's going to be such difficult times that people are going to be called on to endure. We have to understand that. The body of Christ is going to be called on to endure great times of hardship. We can't overlook that. We, we, we need to be careful to the words that we hear that are so prevalent today that says it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. If you'll just embrace Christ, everything is going to be good for you. That's not the words of Jesus. That's the words of men twisting the words of Jesus. Sure, we're going to have an abundant life. Jesus said that. He also said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. We just can't talk about the abundant life without talking about the role of Satan in that regard. The truth is, Jesus never said to any of his people, if you'll follow me, life is going to get better and better and better. He said just the opposite. If you live for me, you will go through hard times. And, and we have to understand that. And that's the truth of the red words. Red, R-E-D words, the words of Jesus. Now, that is very unpopular today. That doesn't bring crowds today. That doesn't raise lots of money today. But those are the words of Jesus. If you follow me, you will be persecuted. If you live for me, you will be hated because of me. And that is a sign of the end times. And the crazy thing about this, simultaneously, 
You have a great falling away, but you also have a remnant in the church that takes the gospel to the whole world. Man, it is truly amazing what people for God are doing today. It's amazing to me to consider the hardships of many young people today for the Lord Jesus. There is no question to me that in my time of pastoring, there's never been a time like this where more people are willing to take the gospel to their world than ever before. And it's an amazing thing happening. And you see in the church, hot and cold, colliding. Those who are hot for Jesus, colliding with those who are cold for Jesus. There's never been a time in the church that I think that you've had more conflict in the body of Christ over outreach. Before, we just said it's a good idea, but now we have a problem. There are people doing it. They're really seriously doing it. There's been ups and downs of that. A long time ago, there was a campaign, a million more in 1954, and it was a great movement of the Lord, but then it fell apart. And there's been signs of great movement of God in the history of the church, but nothing quite like today. It's going on. And traditional missionary works and organizations are, are seeing that, that there is splinters in all that. There is new growth going on. It's almost like new veins in a heart that's clogged up, beginning to shoot out, and people are just going. And I shared with you that we have no idea how many Chinese Christian missionaries are leaving China today in, in, in the road to Jerusalem that they're involved in today. So when you look at everything that's going on, you know, it's, it's uh, really important that we as believers look outside of our world and outside of our understanding. And we can be like King George, that this probably didn't really happen, but it sounds good in sermons. King George wrote in his diary, nothing important happened today. And it was one of the most important days in the kingdom of God. And it was a day of sending missionaries. It was a day of, of people coming to Christ and all those kind of things. But King George said, nothing important happened today. Every single day in the world, in the kingdom of God, something important is happening. There's a German evangelist that has preached the gospel to more people than any other evangelist in the history of time. Ray, Ray, Rebor or something, starts with an R, can't say his name. Amazing thing going on. He's preached to as many as a million people in Nigeria. And, and, and we don't hear about that. You may not have heard about Andrew, the missionary. Andrew, the Bible smuggler. Andrew is from uh, uh, Denmark. And Andrew has probably broke more custom laws than any other Christian in the history of time. He smuggles Bibles where Bibles can't be taken. And he's about 90 years old. And he said, I just asked the Lord, Lord, how do I get these Bibles into this country, into Iran? How do I get these Bibles into Saudi Arabia? How do I get these Bibles into this Asian country? How do I do it? And he said, the Lord, the Spirit just told me, put them in my suitcase and walk on in there. <laughs> and I found out just a couple weeks ago, that's not as easy as it sounds. Great things are going on. You need to hear that. You need to see that. Go online. Read the road to Jerusalem. Read about that. 
Check out Brother Andrew. Check out what's going on with him. Check out the Chinese home churches taking place. Just get outside. This is not all there is in the kingdom of God. What we're seeing here is not all there is. Thank goodness it's not all there is. God's people are rising up in a fabulous way. And at the same time, apathy is that it's all-time high. Indifference is there. you got a group saying, let's go. There's a group saying, why? Well, the Bible says so. No, 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 no. Let's just take care of our own. So before Jesus returns in the body of Christ, there's going to be a falling away and a movement to take the good news to all the world. So next verse, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. Verse 16, then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down in the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, if I have warned you about this ahead of time, see, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or look, he is hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. going to be no question about his coming. You don't have to go out and look for it. It's going to be right before your very eyes, in other words. Verse 28 Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. So verse 15, we got the abomination desolation. Daniel 9.27 prophesied about the abomination desolation. Jesus here prophesies about the abomination desolation. Desolation. We have an abomination desolation today. Let me have my picture of my sandwich. <clears throat> that is a chicken and egg sandwich. That is an abomination desolation. You should not ever eat chicken and egg together. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. 
You should avoid that abomination and you should make Chick-fil-A a a desolation. It should be empty. It should, nobody should ever go to Chick-fil-A and eat chicken bologna, especially when you got an egg on it. Do you agree with that? Amen? No. No. (laughs) That's not abomination, desolation. It's worse, far worse. First of all, Jesus says, the day will be seen. They saw it. Abomination means hatred, loathing, disgust. It's such a, it's such a horrid defilement that worship doesn't happen there any longer for a time until it's holy again. Desolation means waste and emptiness. So Jesus says, one of the signs of his return being near is there is going to be a sacrilegious happening on the holy place, standing in the holy place, the abomination desolation. Now, there have been some abomination desolations, been two major ones. In 168 BC, the mad Greek Antiochus, Epiphanes, he wanted Israel to have the same type of religion as Egypt that he ruled, and he wanted there to to be a, a, a better class of people, a better people, and he absolutely hated the Jewish people. He thought that their religion was horrible. He thought their way was horrible. And so it, he, there was a revolt that took place, and he squelched the revolt, and he poured pig's blood on the altar, and he forced the priest to eat pork. It was an abomination desolation. For many years, they did not offer sacrifices in the temple because of the pig's blood that was poured all over the altar. To a Jewish person, nothing worse than pouring pig's blood on the altar or having the priest eat pork. In their way of thinking, it defiled the altar, the temple, and their priests. And they've got to have the temple, and they've got to have the priest, or they don't have no get up and go. They don't have any get or done. They don't have any way to go and have their sins absolved. But now, that happened before Jesus, so that's not the abomination desolation they're talking about. Luke points us to the Roman eagle, to the Roman uh, defeat that happened in 70 A.D. Now, in 70 A.D., the temple's broken down, it's destroyed, it's burned, the walls are knocked down partial way, it's completely devastated, it was an abomination desolation. Nero passes away. And Vespasian was the one that was assigned to handle the Jewish revolt that happened in 66 AD. And when Nero died, he was in the running for the next Caesar. So he went back to Rome and he put in charge of defeating the the, the Jews, his son Titus. And, And Titus was able... It took, it took a long time for the revolt. Happened in 66, wasn't finished until really with Masada in 73 or so, but not until 70 AD was uh, the Jewish revolt really, really ceased. 
Josephus said that one million Jews was killed during those four years and 90,000 were wounded. Outside the Eastern Gate or in the Eastern Gate or under the Eastern Gate, the Eastern Gate is the prize place of the coming of the Messiah. The Jews still long for the time that the Messiah will walk through the Temple Gate, the Eastern Gate. Today, it's walled in. You can still see the three arches, but they're walled in. Outside of there, the Muslims has built a cemetery because no Jew is going to walk through a Muslim cemetery. And after the Romans defeated the Jews, they took their Roman eagle and they made a shrine there on the eastern gate and they worshiped the Roman eagle. Defilement to the temple mount to the holy place, completely torn down. Jesus says, you will see the abomination desolation. That's most likely it. But could it be all of it? That's a very difficult question. There are many things about the end times that no one knows completely for sure. I don't know completely for sure. And, and I'm of the mindset that if you ever hear anyone say that they know completely for sure how it all falls to pieces, listen to them with a grain of salt. You have to look at the end times with a big picture from a high altitude looking down. And here's what I know for sure. What I know for sure is Jesus is indeed coming back. I'm for sure nobody knows the hour. But I'm also sure, based on the prophecies of Revelation and Daniel, and also we see here the words of Jesus in Matthew 24, that life for Jews and for Christians is going to become increasingly harder before Jesus returns. The world, although it looks bad now, by what I read here in the words of Jesus, it is going to fail in comparison to what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. So, I think when we look through Revelation and we see the, the coming of the Antichrist, of the great prophet, we see Babylon, the economic system shut down. We see all those things taking place. We see the prostitute church that's in place, and we see all those things happen, and we see that, that great political leader take the stage, the Antichrist. He is going to work miracles, literally miracles, but he's going to do things that nobody else has ever done. Now, for me personally, I think the greatest miracle that any political leader could ever do is bring priests between the Palestinians and the Jews. He's going to be able to come along and work out some kind of peace that both sides are going to be able to deal with. I think that has got to be one of the major, major accomplishments of any leader that's able to bring world peace into place. What an amazing feat that is to bring peace to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Just my personal opinion. Now... From looking at these scriptures here, I believe that they have dual meaning. I believe they point to 70 AD. And I believe that what Jesus is saying to his disciples who asked the question, what are the signs before you come? I believe that what Jesus is saying is, 
It happened, it will happen. It will happen, it will happen. To them, it will happen, it will happen. To us, it happened, it will happen. Many of the prophecies have dual meaning. It has a meaning for the people then to substantiate what's going to happen in the future. Trust me when you see this happen so that people will be able to trust me when it happens again. And so the abomination has happened in 168 B.C. It happened in 70 A.D. And somehow or another, I personally believe, it's going to happen again. Now, there's some real roadblocks to that. One is a temple. There's no temple. There's movement in Israel to rebuild the temple. There's a movement to rebuild and make the third temple. Today, as things are today, if there is a rebuilding of a third temple, we have World War III. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen as things are now. So there's got to be many changes that happen if there is indeed going to be a third temple, a holy place where there is another abomination desolation. I don't have a clue about that. I don't know how it's going to happen. I do believe it can happen. It can happen very quickly. All the plans for the third temple are in place, I understand. They, they believe, they've researched, they know who the priests are going to be. They know it's all in place, ready to go. I'm sure it can be built very quickly. But what are you going to do with what you have now and how is it going to work? But, but haven't you seen how quickly the world's events can change? I mean, a, a riot can happen before long. You've got a real problem on your hands. The, you know, there's, there's real, real movements in our world that happen real quickly now. And great changes happen. So we can't sit here and say, a year from now, uh, it's going to be just like it is now. There's no guarantee of that. The only guarantee we have today is that change will happen. So let's see what life is going to be like during the cut right before the coming of the Lord. We see in verses 16 through 20, there will be a time of great danger. Quick things are going to take place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. you got to get out of town quickly. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down the house to pack. He needs to get on down the rope and get on down the road or go slide down the, the ladder. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. There's not going to be any time to get a coat. Verse, verse 19, how terrible it will be for a pregnant woman and for nursing mothers in those days. Can you imagine running for your life with a newborn baby? That's going to be a horrible time. Can you imagine being nine months pregnant, eight months pregnant, and having to run for your life? Verse 20 says, and pray that your flight will not be in winter because it's cold or on the Sabbath day. All the preparations are being made for the Sabbath. Everybody's gathered. It's a time of, of shutting the world off. Isn't that interesting on the Sabbath? The TVs are not on. The radios are not on. And so on the Sabbath day, the Jewish people will really be caught off guard if it happens on the Sabbath day. They don't even use an elevator, for God's sakes. They don't use cars. They don't use buses. And so they'll be, they'll be caught off guard if they are all of a sudden 
experiencing great attack. It will be a time of great anguish, verse 21, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And we look at today and says, how can anything be worse than the prison camps of World War II? I can't imagine anything greater than the prison camps of World War II. But Jesus says there'll be greater anguish than at any other time since the world began. Something worse than the prison camps? Something worse than, than what happened in, in Cambodia with Khmer Rouge? Something worse than, you know, the fighting of World War I? What the Vietnamese people endured during the Vietnam War? What we endured during the Vietnam War? I can't imagine being in that jungle, not knowing where the booby traps are and what's going on. Worse than that? Jesus says, yes. There will be greater anguish during these days than any other time during the Black Plague. <laughs> oh, holy cow. That's what Jesus says. When you listen to him, the buildings are not there. The buildings are not there. He needs to be listened to. And it will never be so great again. Verse 22, in fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. And so unless Jesus stops the problem, the war, the army, whatever the source of inflicting this great pain on people is, no one will survive it. It's a horrible, horrible time. And that's the kind of world we're going to live in right before Jesus comes. It will be a time of great deception. Verse 23, then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as to deceive. If possible, even God's chosen ones, even believers will be deceived by these false prophets and messiahs. See, I'm warning you about this ahead of time, Jesus says. We need to heed this warning today. We need to read this word, accept this word, trust this word. And just as there's no building there today, it's gone. We need to recognize that Jesus can be trusted and we need to understand that there is going to come a time that many, many, many chosen ones are going to be deceived. We do not need to be naive. We do not need to be careless. We do not need to stick our head in the sand and go, come on, that's just preacher talk. That's just down the road. That's not going to, my stars, look at what Jesus is saying. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't waste your time and go out and look, Jesus says. Don't believe it, for as the lightning flashes to the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. You don't need to follow any, any rumors about Jesus, the Messiah, being out in the desert somewhere, because from now on, there is no question about Jesus coming back. When Jesus returns, and we'll talk about next week, there's not going to be any, is that him? No more John the Baptist sending disciples to see if he's the one or should we look for another? Because it is going to be so in the world's eye. It is going to be so visible. There's going to be no question about his return. But there's going to be many, many false messiahs 
come on the scene and deceive many. It will be a time of great death. Verse 28. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. We live in Texas. There are vultures here. If you see 10 vultures flying overhead, what does it tell you? There's a dead something somewhere close. There is going to be such death that the vultures will be all over the place. That's what Jesus is saying. It's going to be a time of great death. Now, looking down from a high 30,000 ceiling, looking down at what Jesus is saying in these verses, here's the message. This is what Jesus is saying. We will see even more of it next week. We will see even more of it the week to come. This is what Jesus is saying. Be ready. Be prepared. Be ready. Be prepared. You need to prepare yourself for hard times. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. Make sure about your salvation. Amos says that we need to prepare to meet our God. We prepare for everything. You prepare for a driver's license. You prepare for a wedding. You prepare for school. You prepare for a birthday party. You prepare for your life with education. You prepare before a sporting event. You prepare, you prepare, you prepare. The truth of the matter is, perhaps on Friday night or even on Saturday afternoon or maybe even today before the tailgating, more preparation goes into the tailgate than preparing to to meet God. We need to prepare to meet God. There is no guarantees. This should speed up very rapidly. Make sure about your salvation. Grow spiritually. Discipleship. Grow in Christ. Grow deep in Christ. Grow in awareness of Christ. Grow in understanding of Christ. Have a working, living out understanding of what the kingdom of God is all about. Just soak in the red words of Christ and believe it and pray it and get deep in Christ before these days come. Because when these days come, there's no time to play catch up. There's no time to do it. So prepare yourself now. Prepare yourself while there is still time. That's the words of Jesus to us today. Develop a strong prayer life. Know what his promises are. Be applying his promises. Learn the crisis of faith. Learn to step over now. Don't wait until it's all in your lap before you respond. Learn the lessons that God is showing you right now. And so when the time comes, you can stand for Christ and you will not be in denial. You will not be so weak that your awareness of his presence and his work in the world and what he's up to, that you will crater in and not shine on the day that you're called on to shine for Christ. You see, there's coming a day where only a few are going to shine for Christ. And I say, be one of them. That's being faithful to him. That's being prepared. Learn to be able to stand firm for him in this world. The day is coming. Learn now, as Philippians says, to know what really matters in life. Man, that's a lesson that takes a long time to learn.
what really matters. Be on the quick track. Don't take years to learn what really matters. Learn quickly what really matters. What really matters are the spiritual things. What really matters is the kingdom of God. Because all the things that, that, that a majority of us invest most of our time in are not going to matter one single bit. It's not going to matter any longer. When the time gets like Jesus describing, probably what you worried about yesterday, you'll never even think about when these end times come. Prepare by being obedient now in all things. Get where obedience is your life. It's your passion. It's your devotion. It's your practice. You're obedient to the Lord. Now, the scary thing to me, years ago, a guy came to me and he said that he was really upset with me. And I said, why? He said, you've neglected the church. I said, how have I neglected the church? And, and we disagreed on what, and the ways he thought I'd neglected the church. We didn't agree on things. But if he came back with this one, I think he would nail me to the wall and I'd have to repent. And I've already repented, but I would have said, you're absolutely right. And this, this is it. The failure to prepare God's people for the end times. I know in my own personal life, there's not been enough emphasis on that. As I, I you know, I've, I've had an awakening going through Revelation with four or five groups the last year or two, a couple years ago. It poured him. I read through it all the time these days. What Jesus has to say here is really changed a lot of my thoughts about things. And one of the things that changed is this. I believe that me as a pastor here and many just like me all across our country, we have failed to prepare, to warn our people about what Jesus said about the end times. And it really does scare me that we're not prepared. It scares me that we're not ready. How do I know we're not ready? Because of all the things that sidetrack us now. Of all the things that get in the way now of serving God. Because of what we worry about now. Because of what is most important to us now compared to what Jesus wants us to be most concerned with. And I don't think we're any different than any other place around our country good people just like us, loving Jesus, seeking to love other people. But the bottom line is we're not tough enough for the end times. And we need to get tougher. You need to get tougher where you are in your world. You need to disciple your kids. You need to be discipling yourself. You need to disciple someone else. You need to encourage other people to grow deep in the word and get ready, get ready, get ready. Prepare yourself for the end of time. Prepare yourself for hard times. There is no temple today. The abomination desolation has happened and it will happen. Trust the words of Jesus. Prepare and begin quickly. Begin quickly.
I pray your spirit will speak to her heart this morning. I pray that you will not cause us to forget what we've heard today, what we've read today. I pray your spirit will just bear witness in our spirit of the truth of your word. Lord Jesus, it, is, it appears that we are in the end times. It appears that times will get desperately harder for us. It appears that we need to prepare now and be faithful to be watching, to be ready. I guess that's the call that you've given every generation of your people through the years, to be faithful now for what comes tomorrow. Lord, may your spirit speak. May your spirit speak to us this moment. Help us to hear. Help us to hear, Lord. Help us to hear. In Christ's name, amen. Ushers, come forward.